America, and welcome to uh, the second podcast in the new 30-day quarantine. Um, it is April Fool's today. Hey, Graham said no one wants to celebrate. I say celebrate. Don't be funny, Dad. Yeah, and so I'm this not, isn't a time for I'm not humor. doing Whatever. anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, I don't know. It's just. <laughs> Which one did you want me to put? You missed the this isn't funny, Jake. Is it, how dare you? Oh, All right, you guys want to do this? Here, no, I'll no, hand it I off. Just, that was like a perfect one. All right, anyway. So what God. is not a joke is we wanted to take a second and say Alyssa's podcast. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, All right, like there we go. Alyssa's podcast, Hey America, debuted yesterday. <laughs> and it is number 20 in the charts today it is her first podcast her first episodes and uh thank you guys so much for supporting yes her. thank you so much and i also want to thank graham and jake all the little people oh, who have made yeah. this such a possibility for me yeah you want to know nothing. what what occurred to me Alyssa is the only person in this building that has two podcasts <laughs> that's she, right she's on Whatever. two shows graham, you're on you're on like two shows Whatever. Everyone knows you're always... The spinoff is never as big as the real hit. I need Conspiracy Hour with Jake next. Yes! Oh, no. yes! <laughs> hey, don't, don't think that we won't do it <laughs> when right. it's all said and done. You're going to be really busy, Jake, if we yeah, do that. No oh, but uh, anyway, the point is, thank you guys so much for making that uh, success. Yeah, uh, I really do appreciate we're it. We're humbled every day by your support. And if you're a Dear America listener that is slacking and has not subscribed to Hey America yet, this would be a really good time to do so uh today we had um actually we filmed it monday uh dan crenshaw it's our interview with him is going to come on in a little while where we really get to the nitty-gritty of what's been going on uh in congress with the stimulus bill and you know how serious is this coronavirus stuff, but but we have a couple things to talk about uh, that have happened since Monday that we need to discuss here. Yesterday, uh, during the White House press conference of the Coronavirus Task Force, the White House put a projection in place of what they were anticipating or what they were prepare what they were preparing for, and the chart that said if we don't do anything to mitigate the spread of the virus said that they were in that they were preparing for between 1 million to 2.2 million deaths and then the thing that's got everybody freaking out is uh the mainstream media says that the white house said that they are uh they are they know that we're going to have between 100 to 240,000 deaths that's what everybody's freaking out about but that's not what they said Exactly. Right. Yeah. What they said was they were preparing right. for that. Preparing for and knowing it's going to happen are two different complete uh, com- two completely different things. Um And it wasn't just CNN. That's what was when I was researching it. Fox News like everyone was saying that. And yeah. so Fox has been under attack as well yeah. on reporting what is truth cuz honestly a lot of Americans like me, you everyone else just wants to know what's true. Yeah, and on Fox News this morning it said White House predicts a hundred to two hundred thousand could die. It's like that seems like the worst case scenario headline. It's like a hundred thousand people could die could. of this. It's like, well, okay, what's the two million thing about? You know, what what are these? Where are you getting these numbers? They're projections. They're not. That's actually what my mom said because she's a nurse. She said, "I see a lot of projections. I would love to see facts." Like what is actually yeah. going? Or how about another projection of how many people actually have it? We have no idea. Well, well, what I would like to do is I, I'd like us to take this episode a slightly different direction, okay? And what I mean by that is, and this is not an April Fool's thing. This is this is for real. These are questions that I have, okay? Personally, this is me. There's just so many things about this that don't add up mm-hmm. and don't make sense. Uh, Chris Cuomo came out uh, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, he did a video and he uh, has tested positive for coronavirus. He seems fine in the video. I'm not saying that he doesn't feel bad. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm sure that he is experiencing uh, cold or flu-like symptoms, etc. But But if you go and watch the video, we're not going to play it here because we don't have a whole lot of time. But I challenge everyone to go watch the video of him saying that he has coronavirus. 
uh, that we all need to stick together and that you don't want this, etc. To me, if you watch the video, something seems very disingenuous about the video. How dare you? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, but the biggest thing that goes to me is he's looking at the camera. Obviously, he's not doing it on a cell phone. He's not doing it personally. Uh, it's for his show. Uh, whatever his show's name is. He's doing it for his show. The crap show. Here's the problem that I have and what seems weird to me. When he's addressing people about, you know, this virus is serious. I have it. I'm the face of this virus now because, you know, it has affected me and my family. His eyes keep leaving the camera and looking up. He is obviously reading from a teleprompter. Now, I understand that he was filming his show. Got it. Okay. And and the teleprompter was there for the show. But at that portion, if you really have coronavirus and it's this horrible disease, do you really need bullet points on a teleprompter? Some people well, I was, I was, really? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like... Will, you play it so safe on these things sometimes. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, the answer is no. No, you don't. No, right. you don't. The, I, I don't care. You don't need a bullet point teleprompter to guide you on a heartfelt message of please take this seriously to the nation, especially when you host a primetime national television show well that's what i thought it was just a tick that he's <laughs> used to just looking at a teleprompter no no it, um, he was filming his show he's so sick that he's filming his show from his house okay let's just put that into perspective just for a sick. minute what did you say that candace owens said because i thought that was interesting oh candace owens said that she was she me and Candace are on the same wavelength yeah. about this stuff. She said the same thing. She said that Cuomo couldn't be happier to have the coronavirus and that the first thing he did was literally CNN sent their entire production crew to Chris Cuomo's house. So think about that for a second, okay? Somebody had to come up. There's no way Chris Cuomo's doing that all by himself. There's no way. Right. And somebody's over there helping him, but he's positive for coronavirus. You see what I'm saying? And she said that the first thing he does, because this is such a horrible disease, is uh, he sets up his entire TV show from his house. That's all I'm saying is a person who is used to speaking in front of the camera. Why would you need bullet comments to have a heartfelt message to America about taking this seriously? That's that's all I'm saying. Watch it. Interpret it for yourself. Maybe I'm a jerk. I don't know. It's just weird to me. And there's there's a couple other things that I want to point out. Before we do, let's get into a sponsor. All right. So this next sponsor is iTarget Pro. They've been with us for a long time. And I think, especially right now, you never really think about how these companies and how these things can benefit you until a global pandemic happens. You're not allowed to go anywhere. But iTarget Pro is amazing because right now gun stores are jammed and ammo sales are through the roof if you were hoping to go to a range to practice for the zombie apocalypse good luck they literally just shut down everything here in yep. south carolina um between prices skyrocketing and social distancing you can forget about range time thankfully there's iTarget pro using their app and laser bullet iTarget pro iTarget, iTarget Pro will allow you to safely practice your actual firearm in your own home. You get to do basically what your parents told you not to do your entire life and practice in the living room. They have all calibers from uh, two two three to five five six. You know what I like doing? I like aiming at light switches, just quick drawing and trying to hit quick the drawing. light switch. Yeah. yeah, I like to aim at the TV screen where people are on the tv screen <laughs> what i'm not real people in front of me jeez calm down i target right now go right now get 10 percent off plus free shipping with the offer code g-r-a-h-a-m all of us are seeing what happens when we're not properly prepared make i target part of your preparedness plan today that's the letter i targetpro.com i targetpro.com offer code great so back in the conspiracy of stuff, conspiracy. conspiracy, Diamond and Silk have found themselves in hot water because uh, just yesterday, about a day ago, they came out and they pretty much said, where are the bodies? 
where are the bodies of these 4,000 people that apparently have died from coronavirus? And uh, yeah, the left mainstream media matters people have gone nuts about this, but it is a good question to ask, right? It's just a question, too. Yeah, it's just a question. All right, two weeks ago, I said on our show, I wish we could go back and find that clip, where are all of the Facebook viral posts of normal, everyday people whose family members are being taken from coronavirus. I'm not saying that there hasn't been deaths from the coronavirus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is some things don't add up Mm -hmm. here, okay? You find out that someone you love has cancer. First thing you do is do what? You cry, but then you go to Facebook almost immediately, Okay, that's just what our society does. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying yeah. it's the right way to do things, and I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but that's what our society does. The first thing you want to do is you want people to know what's going on. You want to ask people to pray, yeah. all that kind of stuff. GoFundMe pages starts. Where are the posts of heartbroken families that can't even have a funeral service for their loved one who has died because you can't gather more than, you know, five people in a place. Where are those, pu- where is all of this and stuff? I don't think Diamond and Silt were being insensitive because they actually said like. I'm not like, being insensitive no, either. No, I'm no, asking no, you, no, you either. I'm saying I don't think so because they were asking where are the bodies, where's the morgue, where are these, not graphic even pictures, but like there is no representation of what we're being told versus what we have seen to be facts. Yeah. And I think that's what's frustrating all the American people. So I'm with Diamond and Silk because it's not just me, you, Jake. It's everyone. Every conversation we have is, do you know what's going on? Do you have have any more insight? Everyone's like, no, do you? I think we just want the truth. Well, Jake, what was it you said about they're just counting all... Well, it's type things. It's a conspiracy, but that they're padding the numbers for Corona deaths. Uh, so when they give you a, like a Corona test, it also takes into account other kinds of Corona illnesses. Right. So when you die of something like, say you have some kind of infection that isn't directly related to the coronavirus. If you have coronavirus in your system, you're a coronavirus death. Oh, okay. So they're they're saying all these deaths. It's like some people... So you could have died from pneumonia. You could have gotten a because you also had something. Yeah. Well, again, that's all I'm saying is... To me, we are, I mean, we are a news show, but we're also a societal kind of cultural show. Mm-hmm. Our culture and our society is everyone puts everything on social media. People take pictures of their feet at the beach to just let people know what's <laughs> going so on. True. Okay, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody gives a crap about that stuff. I hate it. People take pictures of their food. There's literally social media pages with millions of followers from random people posting what they're eating about. Yeah. But we're having to struggle to find uh, there's 100 plus thousand confirmed cases of COVID-19. Where the crap are all of these people's social media posts? The only people that you see are celebrities. Yeah, That's it. Mm-hmm. I, that, that is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I believe it's this huge conspiracy. This is not this show. I don't want us to get taken off the air. What I'm saying is societally and culturally, something doesn't make sense here. Yeah, I agree. Where is it yeah. where are all of these things it's a very relevant and 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 i feel like they're gonna have good statement or good question well i feel like they're gonna yeah. have to give us something because again it's not everyone is asking this because this has affected everyone yeah and everyone is asking okay something's not adding up so. yeah right. and it, oh, go ahead. you have to go back to the initial few weeks in china where all of this started and the videos of them taking people out of cars and throwing them in cages and the Hong Kong protests. We can't forget about them waving American flags, singing the national anthem. Two weeks later, Hong Kong's empty. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that should be like the central focus of they shut it down. They're a communist government that shut down the Hong Kong protesters, went around arresting them and with the guise of, hey, there's a virus, so we have to quarantine all these people. Yeah, well, and also, and 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 we love, I love President Trump. So, so, so I say this because I'm being completely non-biased in this question. You know, we look at facts that we deal with every single year. Candace Owens has brought it out too. More people die per day from obesity. 
Way yeah, more. Yeah, and heart disease. And heart disease. Um, more people die from the flu every year. The flu infects several million people every year. Mm-hmm. Okay? We're used to this kind of stuff. So explain to us why this is happening. Explain to us why this is going on. I, to be completely blunt, what they're telling us in these briefings is not enough, in mm-hmm. my opinion. No, not at all. Right. You know, okay, you're anticipating this. So this is why we're doing it. Why? Why are you anticipating yeah. that? Where is the evidence and where's the scientific research that right. you are using to get us to that point? Yeah. Okay? Because right now, what's happening is the White House is literally just telling the American people, this is what we're predicting to happen. This is why everything is getting shut down here in South Carolina just yesterday. Non-essential businesses are now closed. Yeah. Too bad, so sad, you can't go to work. Uh, we are pretty sure that we don't fall in the categories that they said, but we're not 100% sure. So right now we're... We're, we're, we're in re- an undisclosed location. We're in an That's undisclosed right. location. <laughs> so I'm still waiting on the cops to come bang on the door because there's several vehicles out in the park. Anyway, my point is... We're not getting, in my opinion, enough information for why. I know there's HIPAA and all that stuff. I yeah. get it. But, but, but if this is truly this huge deal, then you need to show us inside these emergency rooms, man. You yeah. need to show us what is going on. Screw HIPAA. Sorry. No. Well, you can do things around HIPAA to still give people facts and let them know what's well, going on. We're not getting enough information there. Blur their but face out. We're getting too much information on the other end. Like this, you know, the mortality rate. Uh, all of a sudden now it's 27 feet. It can spread in the air and last in the air for eight hours. Now that was uh, funny. Did you see doc, Dr. Fauci talk about that? He was like, well, you know, I don't know the relevance of that because that would be one heck of a achu to get it 27 feet but like but <laughs> but that's the fear that's that's why everyone's so confused because you it know, can live on surfaces for eight but days I think that's eight what, days or four hours it's like which one is it it kind of matters but i yeah. think that's what's bothering everyone is because there is so much inconsistency that there obviously is something else going on correct which no one knows Mm-hmm. What it is. Why is there such a push on mainstream media to freak us out? Look, it's always the numbers. How many people have died? Always, constantly in our face. Yeah. I would just challenge you or whoever listens to our podcast, because I've seen some reports against Trump. I've seen some for whatever. But please research. Don't even Fox News isn't reporting accurately all the time. So please right. research for yourself. Listen to these things and use your common sense and head to, to figure some of this stuff out. Yeah. And conspiracy theory, the term was back in like the Soviet days when the United States was basically saying like, don't question the government or else you'll be listed as someone we need to watch. Yeah. Uh, This is not a conspiracy to ask questions and say, what is all this about? You know? Yeah. So, so, so I literally, for those of you watching on video, you saw me doing it. I literally, I looked at Fox news is playing next to us and it says, 1,700 deaths so far in New York City alone. And they're talking about the fact that they're having to put bodies, everybody's seen that video, bodies into refrigerated trucks because they're overwhelmed by deaths. Okay? This is the question I'm asking. 1,700 people have died in a span of about three weeks. 1,700 people. So I just Googled. I said average number of people that die per day in New York City. And bam, it was super easy to find. Uh, Now, this was in 2015, but still, okay? Uh, Around 420 people die a day with heart disease and cancer as leading causes in New York City. So you mean to tell me that you're used to 420 people averaging roughly dying every day in your city? But 1,700 people over the course of about three weeks, which is divided by 21, about 80, (laughs) 80 people dying a day. So you're adding about 80 more people, Mm -hmm. but you're so overrun that you're having to pull refrigerator trucks for bodies to go into. That's all I'm saying, man. Something doesn't make sense. Right. 
Well, and I'm sure there's protocols, though, to be fair, of if you have coronavirus and then trying to keep them away or say. No, I'm just talking about people dying. No, I got you. They're saying the morgues are overrun and they're having to pull, uh, you know, 20 to 4. I I don't remember. It was a lot of refrigerated trucks to park out in front of hospitals. And I think that's why Diamond and Silk asked that question. Well, but, but, but that's what I mean. Like, literally, while we've been sitting here, I just Googled it. I'm surprised it pulled up, honestly. I Googled it, and not a single thing about coronavirus popped up. It was just an answer. Yeah. Average deaths per day in New York City is 420 people a day for assorted reasons. Mm-hmm. But yet, 1,700 deaths from coronavirus in a span of three weeks has completely overrun the system. Right, and all the other things that they don't worry about so much. Like, how about abortion, first of all? Like, uh, Governor Northam, he says he cares about the safety and health of Virginians more than anything. Okay. That's all I'm saying is is something doesn't add up. And maybe it's because we're so misinformed as the American public of how the health care system is run. I, I mean, I'll give you that, too. If you're a doctor listening, please inform me. Because right now, that doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. On average, now I realize New York has had some pretty deadly days where, yeah. you know, a vast majority has happened in a day. I'm not, I'm not negating that. What I'm saying is, you mean to tell me that we have infrastructures in place that can't tolerate an 80-person-a-day increase average over the span of three weeks? Yeah. In the biggest city it in seems the strange. It, it, it seems it's strange. weird, man. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we'll get off the conspiracy stuff for a minute uh, because we do have a guy who is literally on the front lines of it yep. in yep. Congress. Dan Crenshaw joins us here in just a second. But before we get to that, let's get into a sponsor. Let's talk about We The People Holsters. I love these guys. They've been with us from the very beginning of this podcast. Um, They also uh, have made me holsters with my face on it, which I really appreciate because that's actually pretty cool. All right, friends, stop wasting money on overpriced holsters. Starting at just $37, We The People Holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly and made right here in America. They have thousands of options to choose from, like uh, Blue Lives Matter, the Constitution, and my face. Their proprietary clip design allows for you to easily adjust both the cant and ride of your holster so that it will fit comfortably and securely at all times. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash G-R-A-H-A-M and get yours today. Every holster ships free and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Get an additional $10 off with the offer code GRAM. Satisfaction guaranteed. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash GRAM. wethepeopleholsters.com slash GRAM. Offer code GRAM. Ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Dan Crenshaw is on the line. We are practicing uh, social distancing. Dan was not allowed to come into the studio. Dan, where are you right now? I'm making some coffee. Oh, okay. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and staying at home. Yeah. Are you in Houston or D.C.? Houston. Okay. But you just were in D.C., right, for the vote? I was, yeah. We just flew back. really for the night, flew up the night before. It was unclear whether we whether we were going, were going to have that vote. Um, you know, I, as you know, it did pass uh, by voice vote. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was some indication they were going to try and pass it by unanimous consent. People have problems with that. Understandably so. It's such a huge bill, you know. Um, and, and so there was this balance between, you know, are we, are we telling members of Congress, many of which are older, to, to really get on airplanes and come into the Capitol and be around each other. Is that smart? And that, that's an honest question. I mean, you know, from my point of view, being just a young 36 year old, I was like, oh, we have to go in. I, I think we should vote. I was, you know, I, I got into a fight with Justin Amash all day, but I was really not upset with, with Massey doing what he did. I mean, let's, let's vote on it. And, we did end up having a quorum there. So I don't think anybody can say that there wasn't a legitimate vote because there really was a quorum at the end of the day. It was funny. Every member of Congress, like the, the sufficient members of Congress got into the, got into the chamber. Um, but in order to maintain distance from each other, ended up using the, the, the gallery up top also to be seated. Um, so there's numbers, which is 
which is something you've never seen before. Yeah. Having members of Congress like up on the top areas, <laughs> too, which are reserved for, um, you know, uh, audience really, right. uh, you know, pe- people can come into the house floor and get a tour and, uh, and, and, and sit up top and watch the, uh, watch the, watch the house do its business yeah. down below. So it was interesting, but we did have a, you know, we did a voice vote. Um, some some Massey tried to get a recorded vote. At that point, I was like, I don't know why why not do a recorded vote since we're here anyway. But sure. uh, for whatever reason, the, the, the was he didn't get anybody to second his motion. Um, not even Justin Amash actually. So I, I thought was there. So you know, there was a lot of a lot of hot air going up, but uh, in the end, it it passed. Yeah, so it was it was an interesting day. So, yeah. so Dan, I want to talk to you about a couple things. All right. Obviously, there is a lot of confusion, mass hysteria, unfortunately, through the media, uh, but more so confusion about what's going on, what's in the bill, how did the bill pass, what does the bill mean? Um, so just, you know, before we talk specifically the bill, I, I want to talk to you about what has it been like in D.C. the past three weeks? Uh, you know, I mean, is this thing, this global thing that's going to wipe us all out? Like people want us to believe, um, I mean, what, what from your perspective or what you are allowed to tell us or whatever, what's going on in DC with coronavirus? Well, I mean, first, first thing I've really been in Houston. Um, when we left DC after that last time, uh, I've been in Houston and uh, I think that's where most members are, are spending their time and, and probably where we should be. Right. The, I, I think what you see is what you get. Um, one thing we like about president Trump is that it's uh, what you see is what you get. Okay. They're, they're, they're not hiding the ball on anything. Um, I, I frankly like the tone. I, I, I don't understand why the media is, is so quick to say, to, to, I guess, expect the president to, to have this sort of doomsday narrative playing out of the White House. There's, I don't see what the value of that would be. Um, the media seems to think that they, they should, and, that if, and if, that if they're not telling everybody that the apocalypse is around the corner, that they're somehow underplaying the virus and getting people killed. And, and that's such a horrible thing to say. Right. You know, I mean, just, it is. just putting aside the politics of it, it's just, it's just a really, from a human perspective, that's just a really horrible accusation to make. And it's, I wish they would just stop. And, and, it, and it seems like the media is getting worse. I, I thought they were getting better for a little while leading up to the, um, to the, to the, 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 the final negotiation days of that big stimulus package where Chuck Schumer was on TV saying, Hey, this is going pretty well. Mm-hmm. I thought the media was doing okay back then also. And then it all just shifted. As soon as Nancy Pelosi blew up that bill with her nonsense, wish list of progressive items, mm. the, uh, the media sort of followed suit and, and kind of got back on the train of, of trying to undercut the administration's efforts and, and make it seem like they're, you know, failing here, failing there. Uh, you know, always, always asking gotcha questions. I mean, I, the, the media has truly failed us, um, in a huge way that, because they're doing antics as usual. Right. And antics as usual is, is this isn't the time for it. Right. Uh, they, they, this, this is the time for them to, to put their old journalist hats back on and actually ask good substantive questions, you know, during these press briefings. And they don't, they ask gotcha questions. Right. You know, and it, it's all, it's all about, it's all about give yourself a grade. How did you do this time? Do you think what you said maybe had the wrong connotation in this way? It's like, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Shouldn't you be looking for the facts? Shouldn't you be just trying, why shouldn't you be just trying to get at the the best context and facts to to promote to the public? And, you know, when Dr. Deborah Burks is going off on the media, she's just, she's a career professional. She has, she has no political loyalties, when she's saying like, you guys really have to stop because, you know, speaking to the media, because you're, you're blowing things up and you're only using the numbers from the worst case scenarios. And there's just no value in that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my, my general take on, on that. Um, now your other question was related to, I guess, how bad is it really going to be? And, I think the answer to that, that really just depends on where you are. I think if right. you're in New York city, I think you really do have some issues on your hands. Yeah. Um, and, and it's understandable why this happened. 
New York City is a very crowded place. People are basically living on top of each other. And uh, it's also a place where a lot of people from around the world like to travel. Yeah. And, you know, and they didn't put those travel restrictions in early enough and uh, like, like President Trump did for the entire country. But if you don't do that in specific places like New York City, well, then it's not surprising that they're, they're going to be facing the problem. So I think on the one hand, what you're seeing from some conservatives, and they're not wrong, which is like, but, but they are wrong to a certain extent. What you're seeing from some people is, hey, this, this, this is truly overblown. The death rate keeps going down. It's probably even lower than what it is now because we don't even know all the people infected. Um, so, so, you know, why are we, why are we, well, that's the why are we reacting this way? But on the other hand, you know, New York hospitals are overrun, right? So, and they're having problems. So it's yes, the death rate might be low, but when the contagion spreads that fast and there's so many people all at once, you know, that is a problem. So you can't ignore that reality either. And I, and I think just balancing that in each location is, is what we need to do going right. forward. Well, do you feel like we're balancing it well, Dan? Well. It's an impossible question. No, that's a loaded question. Sorry, but I'm just curious. No, no, I'm trying, not, to, I'm trying to figure loaded. it out like all the rest of America. What's the answer to the world's it, problems, it, Dan? It, <laughs> no, it's, 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 but it's not a loaded question. It, it's just, I, I meant that quite literally. It's impossible to answer yeah. correctly because we'll never, and even in hindsight, we'll never know. We'll never know if we did it perfect. And, and what I pointed out is we, we have to stop the, the opportunistic finger pointing it, because of that fact. You'll never know if you did it right. And you can always say it could have been done better. And you can always blame somebody for not doing it better. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how usual politics work because there's no counterfactual here. You know, you, you can't say, Oh, see, if you'd done this, it would have, this would have, this wouldn't have happened. Um, there's no counterfactual. So it's going to be really easy for opportunists to say, um, like ask this really disingenuous question, which is how many lives is it worth to get people back to work? And, they moralize that question, right? They stand atop their moral high ground when they ask that, but that's not the right question. But that's, I mean, that's, that's like saying, okay, well, I could save tens of thousands of people every year if I don't let anyone drive ever again. Because right. we lose tens of thousands of people to car accidents. Right. Sure. So you could claim the moral high ground by saying you're saving lives by, by, by basically outlawing vehicles. Right. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's not. Point. But that's obviously not what we do, right? Yeah. We we mitigate that risk and we live with that risk, and and, we're, and this is going to be no different. And we are going to have to get to that point. And and the more data we we get, and the more we understand how this virus works, and and also how better, how much more we prepare for it, how much more PPE we produce, how much more ventilators we produce, we start to move into this risk mitigation strategy, and and we find that balance a little bit better. But the, the other way to answer your question, Alyssa, is that balance. It depends entirely on the city that we're in. So in Houston, I mean, I'm watching our, our growth rate daily um, of, the, of cases, and it's very, very small, very small. And that's not all that surprising. We're, we're nothing like New York City. Nobody walks around in Houston. Yeah. So, you know, this shouldn't surprise us all that much. Um, but New York's going to be a very different situation. They've got to deal with it accordingly. Yeah, well, Dan, let me ask you this question. So, so obviously we're all in this thing together, right? But, but, but what's starting to concern people, and rightfully so, is the balance between uh, everyone doing their part to slow the spread versus constitutional rights at the same time, right? So you're seeing a lot of things come on, and, and with churches especially, uh, de, de Blasio just came out saying that any churches that don't adhere to basically you can't have church right now, that they, that he will close them permanently. Mm-hmm. Even here in South Carolina, the governor has come out and he's amended his emergency order saying that anyone who doesn't follow social distancing and then does not leave after being told by police to do so, which, by the way, the rule here is three people or more. So any gathering of three people or more, the police can go in and say, you got to leave. Basically, now they're facing misdemeanor charges in the state of South Carolina. I'm just curious from a congressional standpoint, as a congressman, as a veteran yourself, where's, and I know it's a, it's a fine line, but where is the fine line between we're trying to deal with a pandemic, but this is still America at the same time. I think that's where a lot of people are getting concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can definitely go too far as far as punishments go. I think it's one thing for police to, like, show up and say, hey, guys, come on, like, work with us here. 
Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's one thing. I think it's quite another to, to close down a church permanently. I think that's, I, I'm surprised to hear that. Um, yeah, so hand, were we. Here, 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 here's how conservatives should think about this, though. When you think about rights, rights, and you think about the purpose of law, the purpose of law and the purpose of the Constitution is to protect rights. Right. Uh, that's not just protecting rights from the government. That's protecting rights from each other. Right. So if you are behaving a certain way, you might be infringing on your fellow citizens' rights. Right. That's why we have jail, yeah. right? We, we infringe on your liberty. We put you in jail because you infringed on somebody else's liberty. And so that's kind of how this works too. Um, the, these, these, these standards are there for a reason, and it's, it is to pre- prevent each other from infringing on the life, literally the life uh, um, of somebody else because, you know, there's, there's a health concern here. So if you're, if you're trying to wrestle with this from a, from a very – purely constitutional perspective, you you have to go back a little deeper into why the found, how the founders believed in rights um, and how our, the kind of the history of political philosophy as it, as it, as it informed our constitution. And, and as you do that, yeah, I think it helps you understand where we're at right now and why this, this this is not necessarily anti-constitutional. Yeah. Um, to tell people to, to stay at home. Well, do you think, Dan, and, and this is just this is just an honest question, do you think that maybe some of what we're seeing is because there is a little bit difference of tone between what we're hearing government-wise as opposed to the states at the same time? So there are a lot of people in states that are not New York and not Chicago that outside of the restaurants being closed, I mean, they're pretty much going life as yeah. normal. You know, they're out at the parks, yeah. they're out walking around and this and that. Do you think it's because the president has said multiple times that we're not going to do a nationwide quarantine or a nationwide curfew or anything like that? It, it would make it seem like, you know, people in South Carolina or Mississippi are like, oh, well, it's not that bad. You know, so why do we have to worry about that? We're not New York. You know, we're just going to do what we do. But then you've got governors coming out saying that three or more people. Do you know how hard it is not to be around two people to make three people? (laughs) That's really hard. Our family unit alone is five. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I do get that. I mean, we have federalism for a reason. Uh, We're we're an enormous country, and it would be – Without the data changing drastically, it, it would always be silly for President Trump to do a nationwide lockdown, right? Of course, or a nation or a nationwide opening up, right? Like, it's yeah. not up to yeah. him, right? And we we have to stop looking to the president as this micromanager of our lives. Oh, of course. And I tweeted I tweeted about this like yesterday, where because I noticed the Michigan governor uh, constantly throwing stones at President Trump, but then it turns out she never even got the paperwork together until like yesterday. To, uh, to declare a, a national or to declare a state emergency. Right. And, and so you're like, wait a second, you know, this goes for New York city too. You know, mayor de Blasio was perfectly capable of seeing this coming as well. You know, governor Cuomo is perfectly capable and now governor Cuomo is doing a pretty decent job, but as far as local and state officials go, they were perfectly capable of planning ahead as well. This, this weird notion that the media has spun up, and, and frankly, it's not just the media. This is our American culture right now. Most people just know who the president is, and they don't know any other politicians. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a shame, and that's, that's, a, that's a disservice to your civics lessons, if you had any, because it is up to your local and state officials to, to manage this directly in the most direct way. Right. So it shouldn't be surprising to us at all that different counties, different states are going to go about this totally differently. Not only should it not surprise us, but we should encourage it yeah. because it's just different um, depending on where you are in the country. Right. You know, I was really concerned when President Trump was talking about a, a enforceable lockdown in New Jersey and New York. I, I just, I'm glad he stepped away from that rather quickly. And and, and frankly, I wasn't sure I was going to be questioning where he gets that authority. Um, and just on a, maybe he does have legal authority. I'd have to look into that, but. But that wouldn't make sense. There's no reason to believe that those governors couldn't handle it themselves. And then after more conversations, that's apparently the conclusion that they, that they all came to. Yeah. But that that shouldn't even be a question, frankly. Yeah. And and so on the same by the same token, 
governors and local people need to hold their local officials accountable if they start to throw stones at the president. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, yeah. There, there's no there's no reason that a local municipality or state can't be figuring out their their own supply chains for uh, PPE and ventilators. It, it, it is not up to the president to be everybody's CEO. But but our culture has, has built this out, right? This, our culture is, is, has done this to ourselves, and, and therefore we're not thinking about this correctly. And we lay we lay credit to the president where it's not due, and we lay blame to the president where it's not due. Yeah, right. And we, we, we've just got to stop it and, and <laughs> think about what we're saying. Because uh, this is an because this is a crisis situation, and politics as usual just won't do. Right. right. Yeah. Well, it, well, but that brings me back to the point of you know where I blame the media for a lot of this is because the truth is, Dan, you know, you're a congressman. Uh, I'm in uh, news and politics for a living. The average American is not in tune or does not know the the current things like we do. I mean, it's easy for us to go back and forth. Oh, so de Blasio said this and Klobar, you know, blah, 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 the president and uh, Fauci and all these other people. We can, we can cite these names off and what they said and, oh, did you hear the newest thing all day? But the average American doesn't even turn the news on. And, and so, so yeah, so they do look to the president and all you hear on the news media is uh, you hear Pelosi say things like, while the president fiddles, uh, Americans die, mm -hmm. which I think is the most blatant right. hypocritical thing I've ever heard where she is the very person Disgusting. who blew up the original at the time trillion dollar deal and then put her own things in there, a uh, billion dollars to sanctuary cities she tried to shove yeah. in there. Like, that is more important to some Democrats yeah. uh, than getting paychecks to Americans at this time. I, I don't know, man. Uh, to me, I just, you know, obviously we're dealing with something. Do I personally believe it's this end-of-the-world epidemic that people are acting like it is? No, I don't personally believe that. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong one day. I hope I'm not. Mm -hmm. But I don't personally believe that. Um, I do think that if this is not the end-of-the-world thing that people are acting like it is, I do, I do have concerns that we are starting a horrifically terrifying precedent that if anything ever happens, we're just going to shut everything down and completely destroy the economy now out of fear every time something happens. I mean, Dan, please tell me if I'm completely an idiot in saying that, but I just, that's my biggest concern. I mean, I, I think the lessons learned from this will be that if you're, if you're going to do it, um, have a better timeline that, that businesses can predict mm -hmm. with, um, little bit more because because the counter argument is, is is that well the economic devastation would actually be worse if you if you didn't take quick draconian right. steps to right. to mitigate it and again it, it, it does kind of become an unanswerable question and um and, and it's again if, if, if i'm looking in new york and i am seeing the cases running up rather rapidly I am seeing hospitals completely filled with people um, who are in dire condition, even though they represent like 1% of the people infected. Well, yeah, a so lot of you, those you, hospital you, overruns are people that are getting tested, but not necessarily are coming back positive cases for coronavirus at the same time. So, yeah, just for full perspective, a lot of this overrunning of the hospitals aren't necessarily those are all COVID-19 positive people at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the testing portion, but I'm, I'm talking more about hospital beds, <clears throat> um, people on ventilators. You know, they're, they're quickly running up against their limits on that. And so the, the, the question would be, okay, well, what, what if you just kept allowing New York, New Yorkers to, to ride subways and interact and, and with the economy, you know, how much more quickly uh, would that hospital space, run out and then and then you see people dying like you do in Italy because their their hospital space is totally run out. Right. And they just don't have the, the resources. So so it's you don't have to imagine these doomsday scenarios. You you can watch them play out. And 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 so that so that's a direct counter argument to the to the other numbers that we see, which is like, hey, the death rate's less than one percent. Um so many people probably have this thing and and don't even show symptoms. 
And so when you, when you use, when you look at that, it makes you think, wait, aren't we overreacting? But then you look at the cases in New York and you, and you think to yourself, well, maybe we're not overreacting again. I, I think there's, I think this will be a debate for a while and, and it's, and it's a really hard one and it's not really clear that anybody's right because there's no counterfactual. Um, I think, I think we do quickly need to move into a more risk mitigation strategy where we're not shutting things down anymore, but we've, we shut things down for a purpose. And that purpose was to allow our public health system to catch up and allow industry to create more ventilators, allow our hospitals to kind of reformat themselves to, to bring in more coronavirus patients, uh, produce more PPE. Okay. And produce more testing as well. Mm-hmm. Then we can move into this sort of vertical approach where we're targeting hotspots. Um, targeting different, like protecting different demographics that are more vulnerable and letting everybody else get back to work. I think, I think that's what we shift to. And I think it depends on the city, how quickly you shift to that. I'd like to see us in Houston and Texas shift to that more rapidly because it appears that the lockdown maybe did work and maybe it did do us some good. Um, and maybe allows us to get back to normalcy faster. And we've also ramped up testing exceptionally fast um, and, 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 and then ramped up our, our just our production of medical supplies pretty fast as well. So maybe we can get back to this risk mitigation strategy quicker. You can still maintain social distancing. And I think the public is well-educated on what that looks like at this point yeah. and, uh, and get back to normal. But in New York, it doesn't seem like they're going to get back to normal anytime soon. And frankly, maybe they shouldn't um, until you see that until you see the, the rates start to drop. Yeah. So it's a hard question to answer, Graham. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I don't think we know enough yet. Jake, what do you think? Dan, what do you think? What's the perception been for uh, Trump cutting the red tape for like FDA for the chloroquine trials? I think there was like 1100 people that are going to get a, a trial to see how well this uh, medication works. Uh, is that something uh, the liberals are against or do you think that's something positive? I don't know how they feel about it. They, again, the unfortunate reality on the left and the media is their, their, their main goal is to make Trump look bad. And so they don't, they don't really have a set of principles as far as what steps they think are good right. or bad. They right. just, it just depends on what Trump thinks. I think it's safe to say that if Trump had said, we should never use this drug, then they would have uh, promoted it as a life-saving drug. Exactly. I agree, yeah. Exactly. So I, and, and that's, that's a really sad thing to say. And I'm being totally serious about it. I just, I, I think there's a, there's, there's a good reason to believe that would have happened. So, um, it, it, but in any case, FDA deregulation is, I think often a good thing or at least streamlining. Um, but there's a lot of really great innovation out here in America. Um, you know, I just did a podcast episode on, on, on my podcast which everybody should go download, by the way. Yeah. Yes, you um, should. On, on, Hold uh, these truths. On, uh, it's a good podcast. Good podcast. I, I did a deep dive into different policy issues. Um, I did one on stem cells with a local woman who, who runs a stem cell bank. But not only that, but they like grow your stem cells. So mm-hmm. they'll take, take some steps. So they take fat out of your body for people like that. And then they, then they, then they, separate out the stem cells from that fat and then they just grow it in a preacher dish until you, until you have like a bank of like 200, 200, 300 million stem cells. Um, That's what I got on my back surgery, actually stem cells from my hip. So, but not quite this. So as, as I understand it from my conversation with, uh, her name's Donna Chang, what you probably did, which is already FDA approved, is yeah, they literally they, they take stem cells from one part of your body, they separate them out, and then they just inject them into a different part of your body, and, that's, yeah. and that works pretty well for people. But when you do that, you're getting stem cells in the tens of thousands. When you do it her way, you're getting each injection with a few million. Gotcha. And um, and so the so the so the benefits are, are vastly improved, or at least that's the theory. Um, the problem with the FDA is that they treat it like a drug when in reality they should be treating it like a, um, sort of like a cell transplant. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the FDA could move faster on a lot of things and still be safe, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then maybe some of this deregulation and streamlining measures, uh, stay in place, hopefully. And the FDA has actually made quite a bit of uh, progress over the last few years. I had, before Scott Gottlieb was the Scott Gottlieb face of coronavirus, he was on my podcast and uh, we did a whole episode uh, with him on, on FDA regulations and drug pricing and all sorts of things. 
Right. Dan, let, let, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the president just yesterday said that he's extending this social distancing, quarantining thing at least until April 30th. In your opinion, not what we, you know, hope happens or things like that, just given what you know being in D.C. and how all this stuff is working and the internal conversations that you're hearing, where do you see all this going and where is it heading? Is April 30th a good timeline? Do you think it's going to go longer than that? Uh, I mean, what, what what do you think? Uh, my, my personal opinion is I would much rather it does not go longer than that. But we also need to keep in mind what that means, what the president's guidance means. It, I, I believe it's still, you know, no gatherings of 10 or more people. Um, and then your basic social distancing guidelines and try to stay six feet away from people, wash your hands, don't touch anybody. The, this notion of six feet away from each other and washing your hands and not touching anybody, that should probably be extended for months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I, I mean, that's, I think America is probably not going to touch each other for a very long time. Yeah. Um, probably. <laughs> and that, and, and that's okay. Um, that doesn't, but we, guess what? We can still live our normal lives and just not shake hands and, and when we talk to each other, have a little bit more distance, don't talk at each other, um, probably be a little bit more careful with keeping sick people at home from work. But beyond that, you know, life can pretty much go back to normal. So, so the president's guidelines are guidelines. These are not mandates. You know, the states are putting on down mandates, and that's how it should be, and that's how it should continue. Um, so I... I I do want to see us move, like I said, into a risk mitigation strategy. We're in a risk containment strategy right now where a lot of states are on total lockdown and that's fine. But like, I, I think leaders need to understand why they're doing lockdown. Right. You're doing a lockdown to slow the spread and let your public health sector catch up to you. Um, you cannot keep extending the lockdowns unless there's, unless there's dramatic increase. Again, like a place like New York is clearly different. Um, I, you know, whatever draconian measures they take in New York city, I think are more understandable at this point. Right. But around the country, it's gotta be based on data and, and you, you've got to have the courage as a leader to say, okay, th- we haven't seen dramatic increases. We, we've clearly slowed the spread and it's time to let people start getting back to normal, but with these, but still have these restrictions in place. Do you see the majority um, of states doing that come April 30th? Possibly. Um, it, it, it's <laughs> That's not a very confident uh, answer, Dan. <laughs> well, I just, I'm not a, it's, it's not my role, you know, yeah. and I don't, I don't, and, and I don't speak with these governors. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more focused on where I am in Houston and, you know, based on the numbers I'm seeing as far as case growth, uh, I think the, the last report had 50 more cases. That's a very low number for the fourth largest city in America. Right. So it seems to, so the, this, this tells me something, you know, it tells me that perhaps the, the lockdown that we did do. And, and I think in Harris County here, we did sort of a mild lockdown. So we, we kept a, quite a few businesses open. Um, when I go to the grocery store, I see plenty of people there. Like it's a normal day. Right. Um, but there's no traffic anymore. So it's obvious people aren't moving around very much. So there's relatively similar the, to what we see yeah, here as well. Yeah. But it's, um, it seems to be working. So maybe it was the right call. Maybe, maybe if we hadn't done that, the case growth would be much more dramatic. And then, and then we would just, you know, because the counter argument to, to that is, well, well, maybe we would just have to do it later in a more and, and then do it longer. Yeah. So maybe it's better to, to do it quickly um, on a timeline in a sort of in a very strict fashion to slow the growth enough, really let your public health sector catch up and then deal with it. We just have to accept some, some risk and, and accept the fact that we're going to be dealing with this for a while. And the point of the lockdowns is to slow the spread enough to, to, to let our system catch up to the problem. Yeah, I've, right. got, a, I've got a wild question for you, Dan. Uh, and this is we like to do Jake's conspiracy hour here, or conspiracy question <laughs> each episode. So, so reports all across Twitter and major news outlets are already starting to populate showing pollution distribution across the world and how it has drastically decreased in the past 15 days. Mm. Do you see this becoming 
like a almost like a calling card to be like, hey, look, you see this? If we limit some things like this, we can protect the world, like Green New Deal type thing and stuff like that. Do you see uh, leftist or uh, I don't know democratic socialist using this example as something to uh, you know an arrow in their quiver further down the road? They, if they did, it wouldn't be a very smart argument. Because I, I would argue <laughs> most of their arguments aren't very smart. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, as far as debate goes, you know, if you're debating, if yeah. you're a if you're a, if you're a AOC and you're trying to debate me, and you think you're smarter than me, which you're not, I would simply point out that, like, actually, what this demonstrates is that if we if we take the steps that you want us to take, it causes mass economic suffering <laughs> yeah. for millions of people. Yeah. And so everything we said about the economic devastation to people's lives and their livelihoods are, are basically proven out here. Um, Wouldn't put it past them, though. Because the arguments they always use are like, if we go to a great new deal, I don't know if it's Bernie Sanders' voice, if we go to a great new deal, we will create millions of new jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I wouldn't Where are you put, getting this right? I wouldn't put it past them because they're already doing it. Like, like who looks at what we're dealing with right now and like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a pollution report to figure out how much pollution has dropped in the past. You know what I mean? Like, right. like they're already yeah. obviously thinking that way or that wouldn't be out there already. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Dan, I man, I want to talk to you about this because I know that this coronavirus thing, uh, what a great time for your book to come out <laughs> during this uh, coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. Uh, I mean, you know, how has it affected you? And more importantly, where can people go to get this book of yours? Well, what's going on with the book right now with all this craziness? Yeah, not a lot because uh, it really is like it, it is. It is the worst time in history to come out with a book. Uh, but, uh, You're not so, the only uh, one, man. There's a bunch of people that got a book coming out right now, and uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so have they canceled all your events? Obviously, and oh yeah, we don't have any events um, in the near future. Goodness. So um, the uh, but but I will say this. I mean, it's a terrible time to come out with a book. Um, obviously, we don't control that. You know, as you know, just being a, a recent author yourself, yes. uh, you, you decide you decide on the, the publishing date. It's like forever in advance. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, it's a great book for uh, for now because the entire book is about mental fortitude yeah. and, and just how to, right. how, how to be a stronger culture and a stronger person. And so it really couldn't be a better time for a, this, this type of book. Um, and I think a normal author would, would probably be able to promote that quite a bit. Uh, I, I can't and you know probably shouldn't <laughs> just because of my, my position. Right. Um, but that is what it's about. And the, and the honest truth is it is, a, it is a pretty good book for, for reading in this kind of time. But uh, you won't hear much about it because uh, it's, it's just not the, not the great time to not a great come out with a book. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you do pre-order at dancrenshawbook.com slash pre-order, uh, you you automatically will get sent a signed book plate. So, hey, awesome! But you got but you got to but you got to go to that website dot com slash pre order uh, in order to do it, and um, and it comes out uh, April seventh, so you'll have your copy shortly thereafter. Awesome. Comes out Not immediately. soon. Comes out really Dan, soon. Dan, do you know that the office building we moved in before we moved in was named Fortitude? Yeah, it was a gym mm. called Fortitude. Uh, before we came good in word. here. Yeah, 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 it's a good word. Uh, ladies Strong and gentlemen, word. go to dancrenshawbook.com, pre-order this book, get Dan Crenshaw's signature, uh, and read an amazing book during your quarantine mm -hmm. life you that you're doing right now. Time. Dan, we love you here at Dear America, man. Thanks so much for dropping in, and yeah. just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks a lot for having me, and uh, we love you too. Yeah. Tara says hi. All right. All hey, right. Tara. Hey, Tara. Hey, Tara. Uh, hopefully one day we'll all be able to see each other in person again. And uh, yeah, well, we appreciate it, brother. Be safe. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me. All right. Bye, yeah. Dan. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is that's pretty much it for this episode. There's so much to talk about all the time. Uh, you know, take care of yourself and your families. 
Now is the time to stock up on those things that you've been thinking about uh, and been putting off for a long time. Bullets are getting hard to come by. It was only a matter of time before rifles are hard to come by, too. Make sure to check out our sponsors at Red Arrow Weapons. They make 100% rifles here in America. Uh, They're amazing people. They'll get it to you fast. Shoot, man. People are trying to make it to where you can't buy guns. I saw even the governor in California now wants to ban alcohol sales after the Mm -hmm. 28th. Yeah. I mean, it's and if you crazy. think of how crazy people got after you know two weeks of quarantine, we Ralph, got another thirty days. Ralph yeah, Northam in Virginia wants to make people shelter in place until June tenth. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's some places in South Carolina that delivers alcohol to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, guys. Check out Red Arrow Weapons. Uh, make sure that you and your family are secure about the things that are not just food and water, okay? You need to think about some stuff and be able to protect yourself and your families. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dear America podcast. Uh, my book is still available for pre-order, Yay. even though it's the absolute worst time ever to launch <laughs> a book. Uh, you can go to America316.com and pre-order your book i will sign every pre-order copy uh make sure to give us five stars and leave us a review it helps us out in the polls make sure to check out Alyssa's new show hey, hey america. america and until the cops literally board up our building here we're going to continue to bring you this show but we are abiding just so everyone knows we don't we are abiding no we're all. not yes, we're, we we're going rogue and, I, I'm just and we kidding. also research essential so we do fall right now in the gray category. area. <laughs> we no, fall in the gray area. entertainment. Yeah, so I just want to make people know we're good. Anyway, as Alyssa tries to goody two-shoes, no, the we answer, are. We love- Jake, where can they find you? On Instagram at producer underscore Jake. Alyssa? Alyssa Allen on Instagram and YouTube. And Hey America. And Hey America. I'm Graham Allen, and of course, this is Dear America. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you all again next time. See ya. Bye.